You made it back last time, then. Even more. You decided to come back. <laughs> well, they say the definition of insanity is doing the same thing again and again, and expecting different results. Well, I can tell you that I've got some more spine-chilling tales tonight. You've got to be one of my favorite guests here at the inn. No, it's not just because you come in here and spend your dollar, but because you like what I like. Stories. I've always liked stories. Not just books, but spoken stories. I love to hear the emotion in a person's voice. The joy, the pain, the horror. Television? <laughs> no, it's not for me. You always see all these people harping on about the latest show they've been watched. The latest thing that they've sat there and stared at with gaping mouths while their brain turns to mush in their head. I'd go as far to say that it's outright bad for you. If you go up to any of the rooms, you might notice that none of them have televisions in them. Now, that's not down to me forcing my ideas on all who come here, but it's to stop people running scared before they've paid. I don't really know what caused it to start, but it hadn't always been a problem. One night, my own television started flickering. I thought it was just my TV breaking down. But then I heard the screams from the other rooms. The guests in the first room had already fled, their wailing still audible above the static of the television in their room. As I ducked my head in the door, I heard the other doors go and their screams soon followed. The TV wasn't turned up to anything but static. I stared at it for a while but couldn't see or hear whatever they had. Still, they'd been so terrified that they left all their belongings. <laughs> Selling them almost made up for the non-payment. February 11th. Let me tell you the secret of the century. Being a single parent is hard. Yeah, of course it's worth it and all, but I'm not sure how anyone does this for 18 years. Shift at the hospital, hurry home and check on Tommy, four hours of shut-eye tops, then another eight hours working retail, rinse and repeat. It's awesome. With a schedule that tight, you'd think I'd froth at the mouth for a chance to get some extra sleep. But lately, my insomnia is getting real bad. The circles under my eyes are starting to look like a permanent fixture. When Tommy's crying is ringing in my ears and I feel like I'm about to shatter into little pieces, there's only one outlet. Late night TV. Infomercials, to be exact. More infomercials than you can count. Sitting in front of the ghostly blue glow of the screen is just about the only thing that helps distract me from a one-year-old's incessant wailing. Yeah, yeah, before you revoke my good parenting card, I'll have you know Tommy cries over nothing. The kid's fed and watered, but he'll scream like it's the end of the world. There's no feeling quite like slipping into a near-fugue state at 2 in the morning with the words, Buy now and we'll throw in a free pack of refills, ringing in your head like ping-pong balls ricocheting in an empty room. At some point, if you're lucky, you'll slip into unconsciousness and wake up with your face mashed into the couch. I've pretty much seen them all by now. Catalog them in my head. There's the blender that promises to make meal prep 5,000% more efficient. The hairdryer from heaven. The neck cushioner that'll cure your arthritis. The vacuum cleaner that connects to Bluetooth and probably can sleep with your wife. A hundred perky men and women going on about weight loss pills and makeup and kitchen knives and towels that'll revolutionize your life. No, really. We promise, or your money back. 
Well, all except one. Last night, I saw a new infomercial that I'm still not quite sure if I hallucinated or not. It was maybe 3 a.m., and my mind was throbbing, pulsing inside my skull. I'd all about given up on sleep. The blonde woman on the screen had just finished her spiel about cubic zirconia jewelry, and then this way-too-catchy jingle was blaring from the TV. It was a chorus of high-pitched voices, I think. Something childish like you'd hear in a toy commercial. The lyrics to the jingle flashed across the screen in fat, cartoonish letters. Next, there was one of those before montages. You know, the clips of people cracking eggs onto the floor or groaning about their bad back before the miracle product swoops in to save them. It was pretty standard. A black and white shot of a young woman applying mascara in the mirror, making an exaggerated mess of it by smudging it all over her eyelids. She frowned at the finished result. The camera zoomed in on her clumped together lashes. The whole time, this glum, almost comically sad tune played in the background. It transitioned into a full color scene of the woman beaming into the mirror. The words, Spleeno, hung above her head, and the music was now generically upbeat. Look, I hadn't slept in about 36 hours, and I'd started to feel like my brain was melting out of my ears, so I don't know what I saw. But it sure as hell looked like this pretty girl bought a pair of tweezers up to her eyelids and began plucking out her lashes, one by one, all with a TV-ready smile splayed across her face. No time lapse or anything. It might have gone on for five minutes or 15. When it was finished, she almost looked normal, but if you looked close, you could see her completely bare lids. The infomercial ended with the Spleeno jingle playing again, and the woman beamed into the camera. She picked up a tube of mascara, looked at it, then tossed it aside. It was so strange that I figured it had to be a parody, complete with an after montage of overacting and smiling. I know this sounds crazy, but afterwards, I almost felt relieved, like some small weight I didn't even know was there had been taken off my shoulders. Then Tommy's crying started up again, and the feeling was lost. February 13th. I saw it again last night. Honest to God, I actually did pass out for around an hour before waking up feeling like absolute crap. I peeled myself off the couch to check on Tommy. He was sleeping for once and I promptly returned to the living room to tune into my favorite channel. I watched the same toaster infomercial twice before it came on again. When the jingle started, my heart sped up. Whatever this was, it was one hell of a catchy tune, the kind that crops up in your mind at the worst of moments. Call it morbid curiosity. I wanted to see what was gonna play this time. It was too early to be an April Fool's prank, but maybe it was all a joke by someone with a seriously weird sense of humor or a promo for an upcoming movie. The jingle ended and the colors quickly faded to black and white. I watched as a middle-aged man came on the screen. He was dressed in his pajamas, his hair tousled in a TV version of a messy bedhead. He stood in front of the mirror and cupped his cheek with a grimace, then opened his mouth to inspect his teeth. They were yellow and crooked, some of them sitting at angles that looked downright painful. I could see black spots of rot on his molars. He poured a cup full of mouthwash and gargled, but his face creased as if he was in agony and he quickly spit it all down the drain. The scene shifted, and the now technicolored man was dressed smartly in work clothes, his hair slicked down with gel. Spleeno danced across the screen in burning pink letters. The counter was littered with teeth. He looked into the mirror and smiled, revealing a completely toothless mouth with raw, bloody gums. I should have been disgusted, but that reaction never came. Instead, I was fascinated. 
the man didn't look to be in pain. He seemed almost elated, and why shouldn't he be? His pain was gone. I wondered how he felt, light, carefree. I felt a little scared for feeling the way I did, but I couldn't deny it either. Afterwards, I stuck around to watch a mattress commercial, but found that my eyes closed of their own volition, and I finally fell into a shallow, dreamless sleep. I woke up feeling unsatisfied, like I'd had some unfinished business in a dream, but couldn't remember what. February 17th. I've stayed up every night since Tuesday, and it hasn't come on a single time. I know what I saw, but at the same time, I'm starting to doubt myself. Maybe I dreamed it all up. Either way, I haven't slept a minute in three nights. I almost crashed the car during a milk run for formula and diapers this morning. Tommy is driving me up the wall. I could swear he wakes up and starts sounding off the minute I get home and shuts up once I'm at work. God, I wish I had the money for a sitter. Just one night of peace and quiet would be enough. Nothing around me seems solid anymore. It's like the world is slipping away and there's only me, a sack of blood and bones dragging itself to the places that feel like hollow imprints. I know I look like shit, but I'm finding it hard to care. I wonder if this is how people lost in the desert feel when they see that last mirage of cool water. February 18th. It came on at 1 a.m. I can't explain it, but the moment I heard the first notes to the jingle, I felt a wave of relief crashing down on me. The world felt real again. I kept my eyes glued to the screen. There was an elderly woman this time, walking down a set of stairs to that same sad tune. With her coiffed gray hair and red sweater, she looked like a character out of a Christmas movie. The sweet old lady about to serve her grandkids chocolate chip cookies with a smile. She wasn't smiling now though. Each time her right foot made contact with the steps, she winced, quickly shifting her weight to her left. Bad knee. Once she got to the bottom, she rested on the banister and caught her breath. The next few clips showed her hobbling around the house. I realized it was the same one as the others were shot in, and clutching her kneecap every few seconds. Right then, it was as if I could feel the pain shooting up my leg too. I wanted her to be free of it. I wanted to feel light again. I watched as the TV cut to a close-up shot of the old woman sleeping in her bed. Her gray hair was spread out on the pillow like a halo. The camera slowly pulled out, revealing the rest of her nightgown-clad body in the smooth, round stump of her right leg. I noticed it had been severed above the knee, and it looked to have healed completely, the skin intact except for a line of white scarring. I examined her face. With her mouth curled into a smile, she was the picture of tranquility. I couldn't help but to smile myself. Her pain was gone now, discarded with the unbearable weight of all that putrid flesh. For the first time in a long time, I felt at ease, perfectly content even. I kept smiling as the jingle ran again. I didn't sleep for the rest of the night, but I kept grinning away, enjoying those words that rolled off my tongue. February 20th. Yesterday was the best one yet. I didn't go to work, just in case I'd miss it while I was gone. Tommy was crying as usual and he was as annoying as ever, but I didn't let him distract me. I kept my attention on the TV. The infomercial came on around midnight, earlier than usual. It featured a man and his dog, a golden retriever. Even with the grainy quality, I could see that it was a beautiful specimen. Its coat sleek and its eyes bright. Too bad it just wouldn't shut up. Its barking went on and on, all through the night, and my heart clenched with sympathy as the man groaned and clapped his hands over his ears. The barks seemed to grow in volume until it was unbearable. I shook my head as the man tried a pair of earplugs to block out the noise. I knew all too well those didn't work. Tommy's cries could penetrate through anything. I was on the edge of my seat waiting for what came next. The black and white gave way to color, and the man went from tired and groggy to well-rested. He got up from the bed and stretched, and then went to the kitchen to fix himself a cup of coffee, humming the whole time. 
As a stream of coffee poured into his mug, I noticed a large yellowish mass laying on the kitchen floor. The dog's body looked broken, and its head was stained with a bloom of red. But the man's newfound happiness was so infectious that I hardly paid it any attention. The now familiar Spleno hung above the pair. I realized my face was wet with tears of joy. The man had gotten what he wanted. Silence. The tears kept coming even after the screen went black. Spleno. It's a wonderful sound. A wonderful word. It takes all your worries away. And it makes you realize you have to hold on. And if something's standing in the way, you have to get rid of it. That night, I slept like a baby. Mind if I grab a drink? You seem a little parched too, I dare say. Do you know what that is? It's called Dustin's Full Flavor. A rich ale from the local brewers. How do you like it? <laughs> it's a required taste, isn't it? They call it full-bodied, apparently. They say they flavor it with different kinds of hops and grains. A few other things as well to bring out such a thick taste. You know what else they say? They say that they found a dead body floating in the vat. And they had to fish him out. Nothing official, you understand. They simply dragged him out and buried him. No police involvement. No funeral. Nothing. Still, it could just be a rumor. It was something I heard from one of the workers after they stumbled in here. To have a drink afterwards. He drowned the bottle within a few moments and went to leave. As he was leaving, he rummaged in his pockets and asked if I had a bin. I said yes and he handed me a gathering of rubbish. And a pile of torn fabric was a name badge. It said Dustin. Well, don't just stare at the bottle. Drink up. When I was a kid, I was obsessed with milk. We all had that phase, right? Whether it was a food or drink we just couldn't get enough of or wanted it morning, noon, and night, that was me with milk. I could drink it by the gallon. My parents didn't mind. They would rather I wanted something healthy like that rather than constantly after soda or one of those concentrate drinks full of sugar that you had to add water to. I could make myself sick sometimes, drinking too much too fast. But didn't every kid? Hell. Even adults can have too much of a good thing and make themselves ill for it. It was never enough to put me off, though. No amount of aching bellies could separate me from my beloved milk. Nothing could. Or so I thought. See, our kitchen was pretty small. Or at least it was too small to fit in the gigantic fridge and freezer my parents had. So it was kept in the basement instead. One summer, when I was around 16... My parents decided I was old enough to stay at home alone, whilst they took off on a second honeymoon or something. I didn't mind. At my age, I would rather have stayed at home with my friends than been a third wheel to my parents as they tried to rekindle the romance. Besides, if I needed an adult, my grandparents lived right across the street. Yeah, my family was the kind who didn't stray far from their roots. It was uneventful, as you might expect. I had friends over, and we played video games, pigged out on takeout, and that was about it beyond my taking care of the house duties. Until the third week. The house was old, so creaks and groans and other unexplained noises were something I was used to and easily brushed aside. This one night, however, 
I'd just come back up from the basement, the door to which lay in the kitchen, with a glass of milk, ready to crawl up the stairs and settle into bed for the night, when an unusual banging came from the room I'd just left. I tried to brush it off as just the ancient stairs airing their complaints after I'd trampled up them, but there was something so off about it. In my 16 years of living in that house, I'd never heard anything like it. I figured it might have been a wild animal, maybe a a raccoon or a possum that had somehow got in during the day. Being a typical teen, that was not something I wanted to deal with late at night. So I simply locked the basement door to prevent it from getting up into the main house and went to bed. Morning came and I tentatively went down into the basement to check for any signs of a wild animal. And beyond a few cobwebs to be expected even in a furnished basement like our own, there was nothing. So I decided it really had just been one of the many noises of our old house. Got my usual glass of milk and headed back up the stairs. That night, the noise returned. This time, I was sure it wasn't simply a random creaking because it started up at the exact time right before I headed up to my room for the night. The only difference was I hadn't been down to the basement yet. So it definitely was not the result of me stepping on some well-worn floorboards. Being the not particularly brave teen I was, I bolted out of the house and across to my grandparents. Fortunately, they were still awake. And my grandfather was a bull of a man not to be messed with. He marched over with his shotgun to investigate, only to come back a half hour later claiming he couldn't find anything or anyone. He reasoned, like me, that it was maybe a raccoon and was hiding in a nook or cranny somewhere down there and had locked the place up to stop it getting out, much as I had done the previous night. I stayed at my grandparents from that point on, going back into the house during the day to take care of any chores and play on my Nintendo for a couple of hours. I didn't go back down into the basement, opting to eat and drink at my grandparents' home too. About a week before my parents got back, there was a summer storm that caused a power outage. It lasted a couple of days, but gave me all the reason to spend the remaining time my parents were away at my grandparents'. When I returned one morning to open up the curtains, I noticed a foul smell spreading around the house. Knowing the power had been out, I assumed the heavy, pungent odor was coming from the food in the fridge and freezer that had begun to go bad. That thought of dealing with it was unpleasant, but it wasn't something I wanted my parents to come home to. I didn't want to deal with the cleanup, and my grandparents would be out of town for the night visiting my great-uncle, and I didn't much fancy having to clear out rotting food alone. So I did what any bone-idle teenager would do, and left it. Sprayed some air freshener and dealt with it for the day, choosing to eat dry cereal and drink water rather than going down to the basement and be overwhelmed by the stench seeping out of it. That night was particularly hot, even for summer, and so I ended up turning the AC on. The cool air spreading through the house was a relief as I went to sleep, but it was soon a decision I was regretting. I woke up at around four in the morning to find the air in the house thick and muggy. It was worse than when I had gone to bed. Worse still was the stench so strong I could taste it in my mouth. It was sweet and sour all at the same time, mixed with the sulfuric smell of rotting eggs and something my adolescent brain could only describe as someone having missed the toilet. I thought about a time when I was younger, when my dad had accidentally unplugged the fridge and none of us had noticed until the milk had gone off. I could remember that smell as I gagged 
and hurried into the upstairs bathroom, kneeling before the toilet as my stomach threatened to empty itself. It was sweet and bitter, like this smell, with something acidic I'd never known how to explain. And I could remember the thick, chunky sludge the milk had become. None of this helped me as the scent that filled the house seemed to flood into every pore of my body. I could smell it on my clothes. It was so strong my eyes watered, and with one final heavy flip, my stomach heaved and I vomited. How could the smell have gotten so bad in just a few hours? It was only when I was cleaning myself up at the sink that I noticed the air vents weren't pushing out any soothing, cool air. Knowing that I obviously hadn't turned it off as I had been asleep, I assumed the system was still messed up after the power outage. I couldn't stay in that house with that heat and that smell. And so, dressed only in my underwear, I hurried over to my grandparents and once again spent the night there. When they arrived in the morning, I explained the situation to them. Neither were pleased I hadn't taken care of the rotten food the day before, but agreed to help before it could get any worse. Worse would be an understatement for the odor that smacked us in the face. My grandmother couldn't even make it into the house. She was an ashen white and bent over the table on the porch, gagging. Even my grandfather lost his hardened composure upon setting foot into the house, having brought a tissue out of his pocket to cover his nose and mouth. Stay here, he told me. A clear command, even if his words had been a little muffled. I, of course, didn't listen to him because it made no sense to me for him to make me stay outside and have him clean up all the mess. And once I heard the basement door open, I cut through the house to the kitchen. I can only describe walking into the kitchen as having your face millimeters from an oven door when it's opened and the wave of heat knocks you off your feet. It was that, but only the smell. I could hear my grandfather retching and coughing as he descended the stairs, and I myself was soon doing the same as I made my way to the basement door with tears forming in my eyes. Now my grandfather was a hard man, but I had never heard him swear till that moment. And it was as if he was making up for a lifetime of never saying a bad word with a string of curses leaving him. This urged me on through the heated murk of stench that made traversing the stairs a grinding task. I wish I had listened to my grandfather when he told me to stay with my grandma. He tried to urge me back up before I saw anything, but it was much too late for that. The noises I heard from the basement weren't from the house settling, nor were they an animal. They were from a human. A human now rotting in the summer heat and half hanging out of an air vent. Now I knew why they'd stopped working and how the smell had permeated the whole house so quickly. It also explained why neither me or my grandfather had found anything upon investigating the basement. They'd been in the vents. The fact a person had somehow gotten into my house was chilling enough. To see them as the first dead body in my life was worse. Death is a part of nature, but a disgusting part when the usual human ways of dealing with it aren't in practice. A body rots quickly in heat, and their corpse was hanging in such a way, I'm sure, that if it had been left another day or two, the body would have snapped in half. Fluids leaked down the walls. Congealed blood, dirty brown liquid I didn't want to think about, and worst of it, something thick, white, and pus-like that reminded me of that sour milk. The smell of death clings to everything, 
And even after the body was removed, all furniture from down there tossed out and the basement professionally fumigated, it still lingered. I threw out the clothes I'd been wearing that day. No matter how many times they were washed, it was still there. I couldn't go down to the basement. It still hit me like a truck each time I so much as passed the door. Even my parents who were fortunate enough to still be gone during the worst of it couldn't deal with it. They moved to the street over, and from what my grandparents have told us, whenever someone new moves in, they always complain about the smell. We never did figure out how they got in. The police believed there must have been some open window I missed one day. And I'm so inclined to agree. They were homeless, looking for food and shelter, something I can't hold against them. I almost feel guilty in a way. The noises they made sneaking around the basement at night drove me away to my grandparents. Maybe if I'd stayed, I would have heard them call or help. If they had called for it at all, when they'd got stuck in the vent. Maybe they'd still be alive. I don't know. What I do know is from that day on, I could not drink milk. The smell of even fresh milk would bring the reek of death back to me, like it had just been trapped and waiting somewhere at the back of my nose. The sight of it reminded me of those fluids seeping down the basement wall. When I was a kid, I loved milk. Now I hate it. Phew. I think I'm feeling that beer a little bit now. You know, we get all kinds of strange things and people at the end. And just the other day, I had the strangest woman's day. It's not the first time we've had someone who didn't want to be found staying here. And her big sunglasses and covered head confirmed that for me. She was quiet and timid as a mouse, speaking slowly and methodically. She muttered to herself every now and again, looking back to the door. She kept reassuring herself that they won't find her here. Strange. But as long as they don't bring trouble to my door, then I won't say no to their money. The night passed without incident. But come the morning, she came down to pay with shaking hands. Along with the money for the room, she handed me her mobile phone. Keep it, she told me. They can hear me through it. They're listening. They're always finding ways to listen. And that was that. She was gone before I could say anything. I picked up the phone and looked at it. It was off. But as I held it to my ear, I could swear I could hear someone breathing through it. I won! My mom shrieked from behind me as I ate breakfast, causing me to jump in my seat. I sighed to myself as I just knew it was another spam email that she always seemed to fall for. I loved the woman to bits, but her and technology should never have been acquainted. Thanks for being a valued customer at our grocery store chain. She read out loud, eyes glued to her phone screen, glee twinkling in her eyes. We've watched you come and go countless times, and your spending hasn't gone unnoticed. You've won our competition for a free Google Home. Reply to this email to with your true, name and address, and we'll ship it right to you. Thanks again. Said my grandpa as he walked into the kitchen. His furrowed brow and twitching mustache said it all. Just make sure you don't she sign up for a free but not free Bible a month program again. He said, winking at me. 
I can only assume that she replied with our address because four days later, the doorbell rang. I went to answer it and nobody was there, but I looked down and saw a small cardboard box sitting on the doormat. Mary was scrawled hastily across the front in black sharpie. That was it. Nothing else was on the box, or in the box for that matter, save for the thing itself, just thrown inside. A lonely looking circular white device in his power cord. We were a bit confused about that, so my mom decided to check the email from the grocery store to see if it said anything about the lack of contents. The email wasn't there. I sighed and took the phone off her expecting to find it straight away, but she was right. It had seemingly vanished. I couldn't even find it in the deleted folder. We set it up inside, messed around with it for a while, mostly consisting of us saying, hey Google, do X repeatedly, and then collectively just got bored of it. My mom in particular was done with the thing within a day. We just sat on the kitchen counter collecting dust. Weeks went by. One night, I woke up extremely thirsty and went downstairs for a glass of water. I remember standing half asleep at the sink watching my glass fill up when suddenly the kitchen was illuminated by something. I spun around and the home's lights were flashing on and off. I just stared at it. Was it listening to me? I hadn't even said anything. Suddenly it spoke at a thundering volume. Sorry, I can't help you with that right now. I'm still learning. I jumped and dropped my glass in the sink. The hairs on the back of my neck stood up. I shakily reached across the kitchen counter and tore the plug out of the wall and backed out of the kitchen, glaring at the device like it was some sort of venomous insect waiting to sting me. The next morning, I woke with a start to my mom screaming my name. Jack! Jack! She shrieked as my bedroom door flung Did open. Did you unplug my Google Home? Why do you do it? Mom, I, I, nobody even uses it, including you, I said, my voice quaking. She walked over to my bed and sat down, looked me straight in the eyes. She was smiling, but her piercing blue eyes were giving me nothing. It's like she was confused as to what emotion she should be feeling. No, Jack. She said softly. The smile was growing wider and wider, stretching across her whole face. I love it. I've been using it every single night. And guess what? The neighbors won one too. Isn't that great? She looked at me a moment longer, almost as if she was daring me to say something, and then got up and walked out of the door. The smile never even left her face. I had worked that night. While I found that whole scenario concerning, Working the night shift, stacking shelves, usually means you aren't thinking of anything besides your head hitting your pillow by the time you get home. I got home around midnight. As I walked through the front door, I could hear my mom talking to someone quietly. Okay. Yes. Tonight. I will. I heard her voice float through the kitchen. Her and my aunt often feel the need to have a late night phone calls about absolutely nothing. So I didn't think anything of it. That is, until I walked in to let her know I was home. My mom was kneeling on the kitchen counter. She had her head craned down, her ear directly to the device. She was nodding wildly and muttering something. I froze, my heart picking up pace as I continued to watch her. Eventually, I spoke. Mom? Who are you talking to? I said. She spun around quickly to face me, still kneeling on the countertop. Nobody, Jack. I'm just seeing if it still works after you unplugged it. It works just fine. 
I'm going to bed. Her voice was flat, with no inflection in it whatsoever. It was almost trance-like. She got off the kitchen counter and walked down the hall into her bedroom, slamming the door behind her. Something wasn't right. I walked over to the innocuous-looking thing and stared at it intently. Picked it up and put my ear to it. At first, I could hear absolutely nothing. I nearly put it down, but I began to hear some faint static coming from the speaker. Or crackling, ticking noises. It got louder and louder, and then... Silence. Again. But not for long. A voice suddenly whispered into my ear. It didn't even sound like a real voice. It seemed more like something imitating a person. I yelped and jumped back, panic coursing through my veins like red-hot needles. I unplugged it and threw it hard at the ground. It hit with a sharp crack and its shell split in two, wires spilling out from the middle. I sprinted into the hallway and into my room. I lay on my bed for a while, contemplating what just happened. I suppose after a while I must have fallen asleep. I was awoken by the sound of my front door shutting. My clock read 3.04 a.m. Puzzled, I got up and looked outside my window, which faces the front of the house. I saw my mom walking slowly down our driveway, holding something in her hand. My blood ran cold as I realized she was holding the device. The fact that it was nearly split in two seemed not to matter as she was holding it to her ear and speaking to whoever it was on the other end. I watched in horror as my neighbor across the street's front door slowly opened. My 60-year-old neighbor stepped out, also holding one. They both walked down the footpath, not even acknowledging each other, cords dragging behind them as they walked. I ran downstairs and through the front door, but there was no sign of them by the time I got out there. It's been two days, and I haven't seen her since. I don't know what to do. This morning, I heard her phone chime somewhere as she left it behind. I checked her email one more time and found an email from the grocery store dated a week after the first. To our customers, we apologize to the 146 of you who received an email regarding a competition late last week. Our email account was breached. We were not responsible for sending it. We apologize sincerely for any inconvenience. What? Midnight already? Time really does fly here at times. It really feels like you've been here no time at all. Thinking back to what I said before, I can't really remember what I did with the phone that was left. A couple of guests have reported cars with blacked out windows watching them as they came and went. I'm not sure that there's nothing to it. Perhaps keep an eye out over your shoulder as you walk home, yes? Until next time, stick to the roads and paths that you know for your own benefit. (laughs) And now it's announcement time. Before you leave, I would like to take a moment and thank the people who provided their voices during these horror tales along with everyone else who's been involved in bringing these horrific tales to life, here at The Cursed Inn. If you're a writer and you think your story is sinister enough to be featured on our podcast, or if you'd like to volunteer as a voice actor, send us a demo at thecursedin at gmail.com. 
We're always looking for new stories and towns to scare our guests here at the Cursed Inn. And please, don't forget to check out our pages on Facebook and Twitter for updates. We'll see you very, very soon. <laughs>